0: And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today.
1: So once again, no smoking in this theater. Mm.
0: No. No, that wouldn't. I would not say that.
1: You wouldn't say what?
0: <sighs> Nothing. Well, now it's gone. Oh, I didn't even notice you were in the hat. This is good. You're gonna have to edit this out. This is good pod material here but you're wearing a good hat. the
2: hat it's,
1: good. It's, it's it's good material you looking like a
0: fisherman yeah good, good material
2: that a beanie not a hat but it is a hat technically it's I a,
1: think a, beanie's a hat. yeah it's a, it's a toque
0: in a, in a in a video game it goes under the hat like area of yeah. your yeah
2: and that's really yeah. what matters that's what matters care. what stats I, do you think that would give you jason
1: This this has like blue rarity. It's not very. uh, It's like a target hat. Um, It's like the division. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I get it from just shooting the, the a random child. Take it off his yeah. corpse. This is the division. Is a deplorable game that I did finish. I did finish that
0: game. <laughs> I beat. I be number two and do not remember a single thing. Why? I don't know. I oh yeah, that's the
1: other thing, right? Is that like it's not even just it's not even the
2: fun, interesting, pervert kind of deplorable. It's just like <laughs> boring first person shooter
1: fascist deplorable. Harry, yeah. Harry, third person shooter fascist deplorable. Yeah, I'll you. you. Yeah, that might thank actually you. be kind of cool. Hey, here's uh, a
0: weird <laughs> thing about clothing uh, categories that. Again, maybe Jason will just edit this out. But uh, I, I've learned that I'm one of the only people I know that considers shorts pants. Like everybody I know is like, no, shorts are pants. They're shorts. But like That's pants to a video me, game
2: thing right? I mean, is that like anything that I put on my lower body that would go into the yes, pants slot in a video pants. game pants? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no? and-
1: they're and just short pants. pants, baby. I have two questions. What well, point know. in your life mm-hmm. did, did you separate pants from just like leg wear? I feel like leg wear covers what the both mean, pants. legwear. What is? leg wear? I don't weight? use leg the term leg pants, wear. <laughs> leg wear is a term that encompasses everything that goes on your legs. I'm not selling clothes at a high-end
0: fashion store in 1947. That's I, So I don't the term say, leg wear. Yeah, per, is not a something that I'm aware
2: of. leg wear? If someone on a warm summer day way. said, hey,
0: go put on some pants, I would put on shorts, and I wouldn't think. I would say, oh, yeah, I'm putting on pants. I'm putting on a pair of shorts. They're pants. Like that. I, I, know, I, actually, I agree. I understand
2: You might have just talked yourself out of me being on your side. because I don't need said, you on, on my pants, side.
0: No, just like, just why don't you go put on some – not like ordering me a rant, but just like, yeah, hey, why don't you go put on some pants? And I'd be like, oh, hey, what kind of pants on why are you going shorts with would... pants?
2: Why weren't you wearing
0: pants in this scenario? Maybe maybe I was wearing my bathrobe. Okay. Maybe okay. my so, wife was telling, telling me we're going to go for a walk outside. You Can you put some pants on and then I yeah, you- I am playing the wife card not One of the only, only cards you, i have to play so i will play it in
1: in a state of undress you were in such a state of undress that somebody said hey go put some pants on they didn't not say, just like hey we need to go to the so store we need to not. go to the
0: store to maybe, grab uh some groceries shorts, can you put maybe, some pants on
1: maybe board shorts aren't acceptable for high v it wasn't that they were saying that they're like you need yeah. to put some pants on you indecent beast <laughs> wait a minute
2: wait a minute is there a person alive who is like oh man i'm going to high v i better change out of my <laughs> board shorts <laughs> i gotta kind of gussy myself up i could be well, seen
0: board shorts in my opinion would count as pants so it would not I, be I a think problem I,
2: I think i agree with you but i am just saying that if if somebody told me put on pants and i came down in shorts i would feel fine but if they said i said pants i wouldn't look as const at them i would be like i yeah, would have this entire
0: conversation with them at that moment is what i mean what so I would, would i would I, I'd I, be, like,
2: because I'm I'd be like all right the first thing you need
0: to understand. Anyway, uh, that this has nothing to do with the film. We're talking well, about.
2: Cody's not here. Yeah. We it's
0: can talk
1: quality, about whatever we want to talk quality about. quality material, yes. We are unchained, unnarved. Uh, this is an episode of Tri Love, though. This is a literal roundtable podcast where we talk about movies that we saw at the Trilon Cinema or people that we met there or through there, as evidenced by our recent interview with Jonathan Hertzberg of Fun Seed Editions. Go listen to that. Episode 155 of this podcast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Trilove Podcast. You can find the Trilon itself at Trilon Cinema and at Trilon.org, where you can get goodies and tickets and merch and do all sorts of cool things to support the theater that we love and go to so often, uh, maybe less often these days, because thousands of people are being put in the hospital and uh, dozens are dying around the cities because of the Omicron variant of the current coronavirus, uh, novel coronavirus, everybody. Uh, if you haven't heard that phrase for a while, that's that's your reintroduction to it. This is an episode of that podcast uh oh i was about to say about it's not about anything because i'm not allowed to do that that is aaron's job but i can tell you what is oh, my job he's introducing myself uh my name is jason Daphnis. i do favors i do favors for friends And you can find me on twitter at nintendufus
2: he didn't take the one that i was gonna do folks i was really worried about it because i do not have a backup but everybody's always peeing on my head and telling me it's raining i'm harry Mackin, and you can find Shit. me on twitter at shiitake harry
0: well that was mine uh so uh my name's Aaron, you can find me on Twitter, at rbplease, I don't have a quote, but there's a lot of good ones in this, one. I there was one that I saw, and I thought that would be a great quote, did not write it down, um, so uh, yes, uh, today we are talking about Devil in a Blue Dress, uh, if you did not get it uh, from those quotes at the beginning, uh, 1995 film, written and directed by Carl Franklin, it is based on a novel of the same name by Walter Mosley, film follows Easy Rollins, played by Denzel Washington. Uh, he's a, a black World War II veteran who, uh, p- post-war, is laid off from his job at Champion Aircraft. Easy is also a member of a, a new class of black property owners in America. He needs the money not just to pay for food, for sustenance, but also to pay his mortgage. Um, he desperately accepts his job helping a criminal named DeWitt Albright, played by Tom Sizemore, uh, tracking down a missing white woman, uh, Daphne Monet played by Jennifer Beals, uh, who is engaged to a candidate uh, in the upcoming mayoral election. Uh, When bodies start piling up, Easy finds himself a suspect in several murders, uh, and assisted by his friend Mouse, played here by Don Cheadle. Easy must navigate the racial politics and hypocrisies of post-war America in order to clear his name and stay alive. Uh, The film was not... Uh, financially successful on release, unfortunately, but it was critically appreciated uh, quite well. Uh, Don Cheadle's performance in particular has often been considered kind of a a standout role in the film. I think also important to note, just as far as kind of the backstory here goes, uh, this was, as previously mentioned, adaptation of a novel by American crime fiction novelist Walter Mosley. The book was Mosley's first novel, uh, and it started a series of very successful books, all starring uh, Easy Rollins. Um, he wrote other books as well, but his, his series with Easy Rollins is his most kind of famous and, and prominent works. Um, to date, this film is the only on screen portrayal of the character. Uh, that being said, uh, Jason, what did you think?
1: I think I'm going to have to take a little bit of a backseat during this conversation uh, because I feel like there's maybe pieces I, I miss. I sort of evidenced on our last episode about Nor. Oh, thank you, first, Aaron, for that wonderful, wonderful summary. Uh, classic as always. But um, on our last episode about Laura, pretty classic if somewhat unconventional noir from 1944, uh, Plots in noir tend to go over my head. I don't know if I need to take medication for that or if I just need better mindfulness habits, but literally a lot of plot just kind of goes by my eyes and ears even when I'm trying to pay attention. So, uh but even I think that extends to noir in general, not to speak to my own uh uh neurotic tendencies, but I think that extends maybe to noir in general is that maybe I'm not as familiar with the genre. Uh, I am amongst gods obviously as uh, my co-hosts on this podcast are um experts uh and they're I believe Aaron you have your PhD in noir literature. Uh, and I am really looking forward to tapping into that with this be.
0: episode. I don't think that. Um, please don't ask me a bunch of random quiz questions about noir. Please do not. Well, about I, this. Sorry,
1: I'm the noir
2: PhD. I think, think Aaron probably is right more. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, okay. he is. He's got the PhD in African-American studies, right, Aaron? Oh, I think yes. that's what yes. we, uh, we were thinking.
1: Okay. Well, this is a perfect episode. Maybe I'll just let you guys take it. Um, no, I'm, I, I will, I will tell you like what I liked, what I, what, you know, sort of how I felt about the movie. I really like the vibe of this movie. Um, Carl Franklin in an interview, the director, uh, I think it was with Roger Ebert's, uh, publication or website or whatever it was by 2018. Um, said that uh he wanted the film to look like black and white in color which is uh, i think a pretty evocative and descriptive phrase for like what the movie ends up looking like you see that in the color choices in the costuming in the like set design um there's a very like earthy muted tones throughout and i think it gives it this like strangely maybe i'm finding a through line here that i could extrapolate to like the rest of my feelings about the movie but um i think that is one way in which it helps like the overall movie helps it distance itself maybe from noir a little bit or um try to elevate it a little bit above noir conventions and trappings uh it's like still distinctly a period piece it's still set in the 30s 30s 40 48 right i forget when exactly 48 yep shortly um, after world war 2 thank you. Uh, but it isn't highly stylized. Like there's not super innovative camera work. There's not a whole lot of like crazy angles or grading or effects or anything. Sometimes it goes into uh, hand like operated camera mode, but it doesn't often like break convention that often, um, to like highly stylized stuff. There's not a whole lot of like the, you know, somebody's eyes illuminated through slats in a window or whatever type thing that you would normally associate with. Like if you said on like a neon noir or whatever. Um, and I think that that makes, that puts the focus so much more on the subject matter than like, the lens through which we're seeing it, those genre trappings that, uh, tend to like be most attractive about, uh, noir don't really get in the way here in a way. Like it feels like, uh, making this movie Holland, Hollywood noir sticking to some of those conventions would get in the way would be an obstacle to telling the story in the most effective, efficient way possible. Um, Let's see. I think that comes through in the character of Easy Rollins as well. Um, He what I got throughout the movie by the end, of course, he's sort of like made his turn into it, it, like he's more accepting of his uh, of his position and like more uh, connected to his community. And he's sorts sort of in a weird turn by the end, uh, maybe weird, maybe like perfectly confluent with how the movie uh, reads. But um, he has sort of let go of all of those trappings and troubles that the plot focused around and just sort of like zeroes in on his like sort of being in his lane and being contented and feeling connected to his community building a life owning his own home all that kind of stuff um but throughout the movie he had he displayed like something of an inconsistency i think that like goes toward building him as an everyman that i found really interesting uh like a lot of noir at least that i've seen relies on like morally gray conflicted internally characters um where i think just as an example like In one scene, Easy has a conflict of interest in that his friend is drunk and he's taken him home and his friend's wife uh, is propositioning him to just like stay the night and, you know, have sex. And he like expresses some concern over it. He's not sure about it, whatever. Uh, And but then eventually ends up giving in. And during the scene in which they're like making love, he's like he gives up. He spills all the beans about what he's looking for. She has information that he needs and he's just like, no, it's just like, I'm doing some work for some white guy. And I'm like, you know, like he totally gives up all pretense of like mystery and sort of like hiding secrets because he's a, he's a man like currently getting something that he wants from somebody who's offering it to him. And he's just like, he's just a person doing a job. Right. It was a really like weirdly refreshing moment early in the movie that, uh, really like stuck with me for what that character Like what kind of changes that character goes through, I guess. Um, Let's see my other notes. Oh, um, and like by the end of the movie, obviously Carl Franklin is a black man, a black director. Uh, his cast is full of um uh, of people of color, and of course the main plot revolves around uh you know racial tensions and politics. Um, and that while I'm of course not at all qualified to speak to any specifics about that or portrayals or stories or narratives, it just like by the end of the movie particularly it puts a very fine point on like this is a like the movie itself is a piece of black art for like black understanding and uh critical thought and something that can create black community there's literally that line that i think the character what is his neighbor's name um is it dupree uh his neighbor who's sitting on the porch with him eating lunch right at the end of the movie after the whole plot has come and gone and he says all you got is your friends and he like that's takes odell look- right
2: the is it odell or is the guy dupree? with the glasses yeah. that was in the bar early on oh, is that yeah, odell?
1: okay i will update my notes because that's odell that's not dupree um he has like he looks around at his neighborhood in in watts and he is uh you know he just like remarks about how he's leaving like he, he doesn't think about what happened in the plot of the movie anymore he just has this like contentment this feeling of belonging uh, after like his history in the you know pre events of the movie he had kind of like film with the wrong people style. He has been to war. He fought for a country that no longer really respects him. or never did. Uh, he lost a job to somebody who gave it to uh, you know an, another person who would do a, you know work. Basically, a, a, his job was given to a white man. Um, there's just a lot of that uh, in there. And he, by the end, he finds that he has like a real sense of community where he is, that he did not need to get wrapped up in a whole lot of what happened in the plot, even though it was like a learning, growing sort of journey-ish thing and I'm not speaking with any sort of nuance or, uh, I guess more elegant language about this because I don't have any. And that's where I mean to say, like, I'm hoping that because both of you responded pretty positively to this, at least in the discord chat, uh, that you'd be able to not really like whip me into shape about it, but that you might give me some new angles and understandings for the film. Normally, this is where we toss to my friend Cody, who uh, is out on leave for this week, hopefully back next week. But for right now, uh, I will uh, happily toss to my co host, Harry, for his thoughts.
2: Hey, thanks. And I like how you described it as on leave. That makes us sound like we're in the Navy or something. It's like, oh yeah, he's on shore leave this week. He's not out here. It got approved
1: real quick. He had to find a ticket to get there real, real fast. He didn't have much time. You know how the military works.
2: Exactly. Um, Also, yeah, I really appreciate what Jason had said um, earlier. Uh, So good, good thoughts in summary, uh, Jason and Aaron. Um, I joked, but like, obviously I, maybe this isn't a disclaimer we need to say anymore, but like we're three white guys, right? So like I, I joked about Aaron being the expert on African American studies. That is very clearly none of us. Um, and we don't, we aren't experts on noir. Um, I don't really think that we have an audience that's big enough to where we have to like, Say that we don't speak with authority. It's pretty obvious to anybody who knows us, right? Um, but all that being said, right, I still wanted to talk about this movie because I think it's it's really good, and I think it does a really great job of using noir to do a few um, things. In particular, I really like the way that this movie depicts um, very clearly and very um, sort of like horribly the the ways in which. Um, slavery never really ended in America the way that it became sort of a debt slavery, or maybe even sort of more to the point, the way that white people in America never dropped the sort of colonizer mindset that black people were less than human. I mean, the the people in the black people in this movie are wielded as tools by all of the white people who are able to navigate the world very easily and very um, almost breezily because they are not. Um, Threatened by it, right? I think that there's this really great frame story early on where Easy is is waiting at outside the hamburger stand where the gangster um, Dewitt told him to meet him, and this girl just walks up and starts talking to him. And whether or not it's exactly explicitly her fault um, that, and whether she knew this was going to happen, the very obvious thing does happen, right? Where the the guys that she was dating that she came out to avoid come out and immediately start picking a fight with Easy. Because he's a black man. And it's sort of like that is such a clear through line to the way that we're supposed to view this whole movie, which is that, like, I i think that even the title, Devil in a Blue Dress, is ironic, right? Because, like, as it turns out, spoilers, I guess, Daphne Monet herself is not even an evil person, except that she ends up, because of her proximity to whiteness and the white world, wielding black people as tools and using them up, right? A lot of black people in this movie get killed because of her directly. Um, and just because she's trying to navigate and become a part of a white world, um, and and that's a really fascinating sort of like dialectical um, and and sad depiction of a power structure, right? Where like this this is a movie and a time in which white people are able to use the need that black people have to, like li- their literal financial needs, right? Their need to property, their need to um, identity within this world, and the fact that they have to navigate this all very, very carefully and that they don't have any options, right? Like, for instance, Easy getting fired because he refused to work overtime essentially for no pay, and he even points out to his boss, any white man would have said the same thing and you wouldn't have fired him, but he can fire a black man for any reason, right? Because who's going to believe the black man? And so he's thrust into this world of deceit and double crossing and power of his own, not of his own volition, but because he has to, right? And um, just like basically all of the black people in this movie, that that happens to them, right? Where they are thrust into these schemes as moving pawns by uh, white empowered people and discarded when they are no longer of use. Um, there's another really great scene, right? Where like um, Dewitt, sorry, I said something else before, but Dewitt Albright, played by Tom Sizemore, is the gangster in this movie. He breaks into. Um, easy's house with his two um, people of color sort of like henchmen. And uh, there's this really great moment where like he's, he's laughing and and yucking it up with his two henchmen because he paid them. And he thinks that he has the right to enter easy's house because he paid easy. He says, you have my money in your pocket at one point. And it's like, it's so clear the way that it's played that, that um, Albright thinks he's the only human being in that room, right? Like the, the two guys next to him might just be, might as well just be guns that he's wielding and that's how it feels throughout this movie. And it's about um, a black man having to navigate the fact that he is living in enemy territory, right? And that even the people who don't realize that they're using him for this, the way that arguably the devil in the blue dress herself didn't even realize what she was, didn't, didn't sort of understand that, that by leveraging the black people in her life, she was essentially making them her, tools to be used and putting their lives at risk. Um, and so it, it all culminates in this, in this very harrowing journey uh, through this, where he ends up sort of having to confront the ways in which, you know, uh, the, the the black man's position in America is always going to be this because the fundamental mentality of the white people who are in power has not changed in regards to who he is and who they are. And he has to sort of come to terms with that, as he returns from this great lie that was the war that was supposed to sort of like change things for him. Right. Um, at least that's what I think I'm, I'm interested in what you've got to say as well, Aaron.
0: Yeah, I've got a, got a lot of scattered thoughts. I, I guess uh, doing a lot of research for this, the the kind of the main comparison point that gets brought up for this film. Uh, I think sometimes fairly, sometimes unfairly is LA confidential, uh, which is a, I mean, by all accounts, frankly, more popular, more acclaimed, more financially successful, uh, uh, you know, detective based kind of neo-noir. It would come out a year after this film, uh, 1996, Um, uh, maybe two years in 1997. Yeah, it was 1997. So two years after this. Right. Um, But it it would do a a lot of things pretty similarly. Uh, I think people maybe tend to forget, but that movie is also uh, about kind of racial politics and post-war uh america it it uses it more as a a backdrop than as kind of the the main crux of the action uh in the way that devil in a blue dress does but like that is kind of i kept like you know looking up stuff for this film and reviews and what people thought and la confidential kept coming up over and over again um i I find that that devil in a blue dress has a lot of the uh i think that the most remarkable aspect about it to me is that it has uh, a lot of the same kind of um nuanced and subtle writing uh, that you find in kind of all of the great noir and neo-noir films, right? Not just La Confidential, but I think Chinatown is also a great example. Um, this character of Easy, uh, struggling to live and kind of carve a piece of, of post-war America out for himself, is is so nuanced. And in the ways that, as Harry was mentioning, you know, these white characters use uh, use their whiteness as a way to gain leverage uh, over uh, all of the black characters in this film. But I think specifically, um, Easy, uh, it feels uh, very well-considered from a writing standpoint, it also, of course, feels sad and tragic. Um, uh, you know, a, a scene that, or a character that Harry had mentioned was the character of DeWitt Albright. Uh, he mentioned the scene in which, um, you know, there's a white woman uh, on a pier having a conversation with Easy. DeWitt Albright comes out and kind of actually gives a, a uh, obviously, a very violent, uh, uh, but at the same time, um, kind of... Satisfying, I think, as an audience member to watch. Uh, he, you know, he one of the the white men out there who is kind of um, terrorizing Easy. He he puts a you know gun up to him. Very violent scene. Very hard to watch uh, at times. But at the same time, there is I think kind of a a visceral satisfaction in seeing this this you know racist asshole kind of get what's coming to him. Uh, and then there is the scene later when uh, Dewitt Albright breaks into Easy's house, and uh, uh, all of a sudden the tables have turned. He is no longer uh, uh, liking easy as much. And he, he uses kind of his position uh, uh, again to, to give him leverage, right? He also uh, calls him the N word, which he didn't before. And so we very quickly see this character who uh, uh, we, we viewed, even if as a bad guy, as someone who uh, uh, was kind of satisfying the audience by, by punishing this, this racist white character as someone who in the end uh, uh, feels no qualms about uh, doing the same uh, himself. Um, And it, there's there's so many moments like that that are quite good. There's also just kind of like nice things that the film does with uh, cinematography and and the the opening shot of this film, uh, which shows this kind of bustling street and it like yeah it like zooms over this crowd. This fi- the film is like so alive with like character and it feels so textured in this really nice way. Um, little details like uh, while uh, Easy is talking uh, with Albright in his house, just you know, the, the image of like, a uh, um, a mail truck driving by outside, right? There's this kind of classic post-war America that is constantly being juxtaposed to the racial tensions that our main character is kind of forced to confront. Um, it feels again, very tragic and hard to watch at times, but it feels really well-written and and nuanced. I liked it. Um, also worth pointing out, I think this is the first Denzel Washington film we've discussed on the podcast. Is, is that really? uh, no? We we Inside Man. Mm-hmm. Oh shit, we did Inside Man. Uh, not a trial on film technically, but yes, right. we did do an episode right. on Inside Man. Uh, man, uh, it is man. it is good. It is good to get to talk about uh, Denzel Washington. I think is he the greatest
2: uh, living it, movie star? Would you say? He's got to be. He's to be like, maybe top say three, yeah. top five. Yeah. I, I would I mean, maybe say that in terms of like star power and and charisma and like the ability to bring yeah something to the performance. It's like man, yeah. I, I think uh, that
0: yeah. A thing that that I looked up early. It, supposedly, until Equalizer two, there was not a single uh, sequel film that he did. He never. So all of his characters are like. He he did not have a series wild? of films that he was in. I know, right? And it's like it's amazing that like someone who is not—he's you know, not Iron Man, right? He's not uh, Superman or something. Uh, he is playing all of these individual characters, and he's still like Denzel Washington. Uh, it's great. He's very good in this. Don Cheadle is great. I was kind of surprised to learn that he was considered a uh, uh, kind of a, a standout role. He is very good. Um, I think Don Cheadle is somebody who's often known for playing uh, sidekick characters, and I, I often often kind of slightly humorous, kind of wacky sidekick characters. I actually found his character in this to be very sad, actually. Uh like Dude, very yeah, tragic. I can't
2: wait to talk about that.
0: Yeah, that that one scene uh uh with him uh and easy and uh Dupree uh, Brouchard uh is is uh, just a great a great scene. Um and also I think worth pointing out is uh, yes, there's a, a actor, uh Jernard Burks as Dupree Bruchard I thought also gave a fantastic uh supporting performance he is the the boyfriend uh of the the woman who has killed Creda james uh kind of early on in the film and the scene where easy and mouse go and kind of uh, interrogate him about what happened uh uh is i think a, a a really wonderful scene in this film so i've been kind of rambling but like yes this is a, a really great film i'm glad we got to talk about this one i'm excited to see what else we we dive into here
2: yeah yeah i just wanted to note that um Something you said sort of in the middle there about the ways that it is con- like, first of all, the juxtaposition between post-war America and the post-war America that exists for black people is obviously the major through line of this movie, but also the way that the movie very carefully continually sets up these these false relationships where every time you meet a new white guy, you think this is the white guy that actually has the best interests of this black man in mind, right? Like, Or they all want you to believe that. And- like lo and behold, it always turns out that no, these people all fundamentally think of black people as subhuman it just like without exception and and all of the things that they do to hide that are just means of further sort of like. Being able to leverage black people to their own advantages until that ceases to be an advantage, I mean even that that satisfying scene you were talking about, which is really interesting in itself nuanced right because it's satisfying to a point and then there's kind of a turn right where like we see we see the gangster come up and put the um the gun to the racist's head, and it's like, oh hell yeah, like i you know you'd love to see a scene like that, but then he's like he tries to get the racist like it just to sort of like make fun of him to suck uh Easy's dick right there in the um on the boardwalk and it's like it's really uncomfortable for everyone and especially for Easy but it's like it doesn't matter to Albright that Easy himself is uncomfortable because Easy isn't even there, right? The thing that's supposed to be humiliating is not just the sort of like homophobia of having to suck a man's dick, but it's also like a black man's dick in particular, right? It's like, look at look at how powerless you are now. Look what I've reduced you to. You are like literally bending down or getting on your knees in front of this black man. So like it it sucks, right? But it 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 demonstrates that like even in that situation with that power dynamic, like he's not treating uh, Easy like a human being, if anything, he's treating him like his property because he's his employee. Right. Um, yeah. that happens over and over again. Like the, um, the pedophile mayor, uh, says that he's a friend of the Negro, right. At, at one point, And that's sucks. And then like, it turns out that, that the quote unquote, um, kid or his adopted son, that is a person of color is actually just one of the, one of the children that he is taking advantage of. um, gross, really gross Yes, stuff. That, that, that kind of, uh,
0: uh, there's like a weird noir trope of like, there's always some rich pedophile. It's a like pedophile. a very, it's yeah, great. Chinatown-esque. Uh,
2: yeah, it, I mean, it, it is like extremely lizard men run the world, but hey, like that, that is it's one It's turned term. out to
0: be kind of true. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. It,
2: it's extremely, and also just like, it's it's obvious because like the metaphor for pedophilia is is about power and about control and about what you like want to impose on the world right so like it's um it makes sense that so many rich people are pedophiles right because that's what they're that's what they're into is is being that dehumanizing um and uh anyway that but like even to the to the point where like the devil in the blue dress herself daphne like she doesn't even realize and i think this is why like sort of in the in the um dialectical symbolic sense in this movie like she is literally mixed race right that ends up being the major sort of plot twist if you will um of the entire movie is that she was trying to almost sort of like launder her blackness through no fault of her own by falling in love with and marrying this rich mayoral candidate so she could be become someone with status right a rich white wife of a mayor um the whole plot sort of kicked off when uh His opponent in the race found out that she was mixed race and was going to use that against her. She, in turn, found out that he was a pedophile to use that against him. That sets us all off. But throughout this movie, Daphne sort of like in navigating the world as the femme fatale white person that she wants to be, she ends up doing what all of the other white people do in this movie, which is involving black people as tools to her own agenda and getting them killed in the process. Right? I think that there are at least two black people who are dead, who she called friends as a direct result of her action. Right? First of all, um, uh, Coretta, Which she called her friend and she gave the uh, envelope containing the pictures to Coretta for safekeeping that got Coretta killed in the end. And then Joppy, who she hired to scare uh, Coretta and ended up getting him killed, too. uh, It turned out by mouse. Um, And so it just like it, it shows you that that these people are they are wielding black people right they they have n- never like forgotten this idea that black people only exist as sort of like tools for the furthering of agendas that they don't have interiority or humanity of their own and um black people have no choice but to play into that because they are being deprived of their essential humanity not only in the financial sense but in the sort of self-determining sense right it's like these are all people who are desperate to carve out a piece for themselves as as Aaron noted right and like in order to do that they have to get involved with these people that see them as fundamentally less than human and who are able to snatch that away from them at any time right like the the cops just straight up come up to easy's house and take him away for no reason and then beat him for no reason right and like that's the, just like easy lost his job for no reason it's it's like there's this there's this terrible um contradictory pressure where it's like I have to, in order to be anybody in this world that was set up for me in post-war America, the sort of like American dream, if you will, I have to cavort with these people. I have to play into their system, but by that very same system, I can never exist that way except by their sort of like apparent benevolence, which is only ever for their own gain right and so i think that the movie as aaron noted it like it does this really great job of depicting what is what feels like a very true and very resonant um systemic evil which is which is what noir is all about to me and it it goes further by showing the the effect that this that this evil has on every character, right? Even characters who are sort of arguably well-meaning the way that, I mean, you can even make the, make the case. I don't know, right? I, I, I don't know if we're supposed to know, but like, I don't know if Daphne really like had any malevolence for the people who got killed uh, on her watch, but they were killed the very same, right? And so like, she becomes the evil femme fatale that gets these people killed just by virtue of the fact that she is navigating this system and using it. And that's how, that's what happens, right? Just like uh, Easy, just by the very fact that he's a part of this system, he's not a detective, right? He's not a, he's just a guy. He literally, he worked at an airplane manufacturing. He's like an origin with, story.
0: Yeah, he was <laughs> but,
2: <made laughs> detective yeah. By force, right? By a white man's force. And um, so it's, it's like under this system that does this to these people, this is what happens. This is who these people become and it's it's really sad and really fascinating and i think mouse is a really good point too but i've been talking long enough what do you got jason yeah let, let's
1: get to mouse in a, in a sec i, I want to know um specifically i mean both of you brought up really good points about like it's weaponization it's u- utility utilitarianism around like the black identity by white by white people and how um you know even uh daphne as you know uh as a person of mixed race does like wield that right intentionally um is that complicated at all by the fact that like there is that I feel like at a certain point it was the movie is like calling out this false equivalency of what is his name um Carter Todd Carter the the mayoral candidate who's uh you know in in love with quote unquote uh, Daphne it like there's this by trope. It's a it's an equivalency, right? Like, oh, she doesn't want her secret getting out because, you know, she's negatively impacted. He doesn't want their secret getting out because he's negatively impacted. So look at them. They're both, you know, pulling the candle from both ends kind of thing. But I think this movie is calling out specifically how that's a false equivalency that like if the secret gets out about a white woman, uh, visibly white woman, a white passing woman uh, and how she actually has, you know, uh, African-American blood. If that gets out, she could be killed. Easily, she she probably would be under like the rules of this of this world that they're that they're portraying, uh, where Todd Carter stands only to lose status, probably the ch- this chance at uh be becoming mayor. So that to me is that complicating at all that concept. Uh, I guess for either of you, but Harry said it most recently um about whether or not uh, uh Daphne's character is like totally culpable for that. She doesn't have the same skin like the she has more skin in that game. I think more self preservation. Um, uh, impetus, I suppose, than Todd Carter or a lot of the white people like. Yeah, well,
2: it makes her a sympathetic character, right? Like, even Easy says at the end, he wanted to see her again. She was just looking for a place to belong. She, like all of the other people of color in this movie, are desperate to gain some sort of status to protect them from the very system that is undermining them, right? And she went about doing that the best way she could, leveraging the assets that she had, right? Like, she's, she's trying to become that. It just so happens that as a result of her own need to become a part of that system, she ended up hurting other Black people that she actually cared about, right? Like, I really think that this movie reads best if you find elements of her personality and persona genuine in a way that isn't always true of femme fatales, right? Like, I think she genuinely loves her brother, the gangster. I think that she actually was or thought she was friends with Coretta um, and thought she was friends with Joppy. I think that the point there is that it doesn't matter, right? It's like this, this system of dehumanization is so much bigger than individual intent. It just turns out that when you become a part of it, when you fundamentally sort of deny or internalize your inferiority and, and try to sort of like d- destroy, dispose of it through the means that are given to you to dispose of it, you end up perpetuating that same system. Right. And I, I think that by the end of the movie, like I think that, that you're right. it It is a, a an equivalency and a false equivalency, but it, it's, it's also showing that like even Todd Carter, even this guy who supposedly was quote unquote in love with, Um, Daphne, it's like Daphne, or he was in love with Daphne in the same way that Daphne loves her brother or was friends with Coretta James, which is to say, not really, because you can't really be like, if he was really in love with that woman, if he didn't, if he thought of her as a human being and an equal, he wouldn't have tried, like, refused to acknowledge his affection for her and, uh, Instead, try to get rid of her out of his life, right? But he has to maintain his power. Which another brilliant thing this movie does is he's literally a um, a beneficiary of nepotism, right? Like his dad is a rich man, and he is part of a rich sophisticated culture and stands to lose that. And it's like, at the end of the day, that's what he wants to hang on to. Just like Daphne at the end of the day needs to hang on to this white part of herself so she can feel safe. And in hanging on to that, that this is what ends up happening. This is what you do. Right. And I, I think that by the end of the movie, the journey that easy goes on is to sort of like, he he's um, he's moving out. You know, he looks around his, his black community and he says, this is legitimate. I, I can divest from these things. Um, it's, it, it strikes a really good note for me of like hopeful, but, but realistic in the sense that it's like, they're never going to see this as legitimate, right? It's like the the system is going to be what it is, but like, that doesn't mean we can't legitimize it through our own means. Um, at least that's what I took away. What do you think about what Jason asked Aaron?
0: Uh, yeah, I was just going to, so for a little bit of context, uh, Walter Mosley was very much writing uh, from his own experiences here. His, uh, I believe his mother was Jewish and his father was black. Uh, and and uh, at least a detail that Wikipedia brings up is that there's kind of a very similar situation where they, uh, I don't know if they ever ended up actually getting married. Maybe they did later, but they, they tried to get married and like, the early 1950s even though it was legal at that time uh but they just could not find somebody who would uh sign off on a marriage certificate uh for you know two people of of different races um i think there's a a lot of that kind of uh of of you know mosley's own background uh in in this in this film and and probably in the book too. Although I haven't read the book,
2: yeah, um, um, I've I've yeah. read a little bit about the book, but like the book is is even more explicit, right? Where I I don't know yeah. if there's a Jewish character or not, but there is a quote that says like the reason why Jewish people understand the plight of the uh, black person in America is because they were Europe's black people for so many years, right? So it's like it's very clear that he's setting up that sort of like larger understanding of colonialism and and othering for sure
0: yeah yeah um I, i did want a quick shout out while we're talking about the the neighborhood at the end uh shout out to Ooh, i should have found out who it was uh who is who is the man who keeps trying to cut down all the trees that that rocks that is such a good character uh just a just a guy who goes around easy's neighborhood and his his thing is that he carries around a wheelbarrow and an axe and he keeps trying to cut down everybody's trees because he thinks it's like a good thing to do for them
2: it's so perfect right because it's like it's so thematically like coherent to the it makes sense yes because it's like that's what he does or either did or does for a living. And he like, this is the neighborhood that wouldn't shoot him or run him out. Right. And so he like kind of has to inflict himself on these people. They're still his people at the end. uh He Everybody kind of loves them life, in the right? end.
0: Like, like everybody's like, i oh, get it. What the hell are you doing? Get out of here. But like, there's like right. an endearing quality to it. That is, it's so it, he is yeah. kind of a part of the, uh th- there's it, a, it, a it, very it, similar it. thing with, uh, with, with do the right thing. where like the, the, the people who are like the most, uh, the f- viewed negatively in the film, like even more than like the cops to a certain extent are like the out of towners who like drive through the neighborhood for like one scene in that film. And it's just like, they're so clearly not a part of this community, right? Like they so clearly don't fit in. Uh, And, yeah, well, and very similarly here, like part
2: of no community. Sorry, go on. Well, that, yeah, well, yeah,
0: tell me about it. Um, But there, there's a similar thing here where this character who's like clearly a nuance for like so many people is, you cannot help but like kind of love him uh uh because he does fit in in this we- very very weird way um great character great just like got maybe there's a category at the golden berries like top 5 uh just like side characters you know top 5 like just i don't know what what it would be but like i want to honor tree man somehow uh, he's he's very good
2: what well, i think that it would be too demeaning to call him a little freak right so we can't probably now i don't him think he's yet. a little freak do yeah. we have a little freak in this film? Uh,
1: well, I, I was going to... Uh, the pedophile, I, was, I, was gonna I sta- mean... I was going to say that for know. less, but I mean, no, we shouldn't equate the pedophile with like characters we sort of freaks, like, I or characters we are able to I empathize with. Yeah, I with. don't feel comfortable with that. I I would... Mm, I don't know. We, we'll have to discuss it. No, uh, I, do, I do want to get back to, because we were also keen to talk about Mouse. Um, yep. Let's talk about that Mouse would, with he, the remaining I mean, time. You didn't want to uh, say it, <laughs>
2: Jason, but he would be my nomination, right? Just because, like, my man is ready to go. He will shoot somebody now right now in fact in fact he already
1: did it actually you don't even have to ask he he's he, like that is exactly what i wanted to zero in on what this character is like he is sort of a or like portrayed as sort of like heartless, soulless, like consciousless anyway, anyway, uh, foil to easy where easy is like conflicted about doing things and doesn't want to like spare life where he doesn't have to. Uh, Mouse is like very much the shoot first, ask questions later in which he literally does that several times throughout the movie. Um, but through the lens of what we're softly like calling, That, like, black utility, like the black utility that we've talked about, where white people are just like leveraging black experience, black people, black bodies to their own, uh, you know, purposes and ends. Uh, How does Mouse come across through that lens? Is he just like by proxy through easy? Is he still being used, or is he like bucking that whole system entirely by being this rogue agent, a little bit wild like character?
2: Yeah. I mean,. It's, this is a, it's a sensitive part to talk about, right? Because it, it's, it's a really sort of like, in my, in my mind, as Aaron was noting, a, a tragic idea about sort of masculinity and African American identity. Um, but I think a big part of it is that like Mouse is wielding the power that makes him feel human, right? And the only power that he can possess in this world, and it's the power of the gun. Right. He keeps two guns on him at all times, and he is so quick to show them to everybody. And it's it's clearly, as we see when he's drunk, it's out of fear and it's out of um, anguish at his his sort of dehumanization within this system. So like the part of the world that he has carved out for himself is the the part of a gangster. Right. Like he, back in his hometown, he was a gangster. He killed his uh, stepfather. That was the form of identity that he was claiming for himself is that violence is the only sort of identity within this system that he could have. And so he's going to do it, right? He's going to be the best, the fastest shooter as we see, right? And it turns out he actually is. He's he's very good at it. Um, But it, it does make him this sort of like really tragic figure because it's like he he has become this um, this loose cannon that can't really be a part of a community because he's too dangerous, right? I mean, he, he ends up being, he's the one that ends up killing, um, uh, Joppy for almost no reason, except that he didn't have time to tie him up. Right. Uh, what did you think about that, Aaron? Is that sort of like, is that close to the sort of tragedy that you were alluding to, or did you see more aspects to it than that?
0: Yeah, I, I just thought specifically. Um, yeah, I, w- I would agree with what you were saying. I think that that scene, uh, uh, specifically between uh, with Mouse and Easy Rollins, where they're they're talking with uh, Dupree, is is very sad. Uh, I think a lot of that is the performance uh, from Jernard Burks, who who plays Dupree, uh, who, who is That's an amazing actor, scene obviously. for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, he he just lost his uh, he just lost his girlfriend. Uh, at the same time, we are also aware that easy rollins uh slept with this man's girlfriend uh shortly before uh she died and that there's this this i don't know there's this kind of uh sadness about easy's you know guilt in that scene also uh uh Gernard, uh or sorry Dupree uh, uh believes that his girlfriend was like completely innocent in that regard and it, it's you know it's, it's very tragic um i think that that right after that the scene where uh, Easy Rollins finds the the kind of incriminating photos, and then kind of goes out. Uh, and and Mouse wakes up very suddenly. There's that line where he says that um, Mouse is very drunkenly like uh, pointing a gun at him, and and uh, Easy says that you know uh, keep him alive. Uh, and then every time you walk into a room, he'll be afraid, right? Like don't kill this person that you're pointing a gun at, keep him alive. And then you have power over him. Right. And I think that that is the way in which mouse, uh, kind of gets power over others. Right. There's, there is a, uh, uh, you know, a different power dynamic, right. Is obviously filtered through a, a kind of a different, um, you know, uh, different racial politics than at least the white characters in the film. But there is at least a way in which he is able to kind of uh, lord over others, and it is it is through violence, right? It is through intimidation. I think the idea that intimidation is actually maybe even more powerful than violence in that manner is, like, uh, poignant and also, like, very sad, I think.
2: Well, I mean, it's sad because it is the power of the white world. It's the power of the I, – I keep using colonizer, which obviously is not really the right terminology, but, like, it is – it is the power of the institution, right? Like the institution has more ability. I mean, it, it literally, the system has a monopoly on violence, right? And also like they are living with that intimidation every moment. This is, this is literally occupied enemy territory. They're just sort of living under it. And I mean, I, I keep thinking about um like that, the fact that like you had said, um, Aaron, it's like, it's not just power for, for mouse. It, it's, Humanity right this is a it 's sort of a movie depicting what it looks like when the only system whereby you can claim humanity is in a power hierarchy it 's only when you 're dehumanizing somebody else right that 's what people do to gain power in this movie is that they dehumanize somebody else. I think that at the end, easy is seeing that it doesn't have to be that way, right? Like he can, he can love his, his community and actually sort of like be a part of it without having to, to buy into this terrible sort of hierarchy whereby you are only human if you were making somebody else inhuman. Um, But he, he also sort of like in order to do that, he comes to see that the world hasn't changed. Right. Or that, that, that is still the, the form of, self-determination that white people have that america has is is only the the power of intimidation and dehumanization.
1: Yeah, I, I also oh sorry. Go ahead. Are you were you going to make a pivot point or uh, I was just going to say that,
0: that, uh, uh, mouse, mouse is a character that would kind of end up, uh, uh, in the, you know, the, the books, uh, that based around easy Rollins, he, he was a character who I believe is if not in every single one of them, then like at least a constant presence in the life of easy Rollins. I think that the, the I, general idea of the character is that like, he's obviously someone who is, you know, a criminal. He is, you know, a bad guy, uh, does a lot of bad stuff. Uh, but you know, uh, for black people in kind of this post-war America, uh, in order to survive, in order to, to live as well as possible, they do have to rely on people that they know and their friends and community. And as it said at the end of this film, right, you know, all we got are our friends, right? Well, that that is not true for every character in this film, right? There are a lot of people who have a lot of advantages, uh, not just due to their friends, but due to the, their position in their society, due to the, the color of their skin. Right. Um, but, but for the black people in the film who don't have that advantage, yeah, they often do have to rely on relationships and friendships with people who may be unsavory in a certain kind of way, but that is kind of the, the hypocrisy, uh, of living, uh, uh, you know, as a black person, um, in that time period. So yeah. Yeah.
2: That's a that's a really great point, Aaron, and that like gets at the heart of what I love about this movie so much is that it it like so many other film noir don't, or that don't even try to, it understands Morality in its real proper context, which is to say morality by relation to power structures and by relation to marginalization, right? Where I think that this movie has a great sympathy for all of its characters, even the characters that make... Or all of its black characters, even the characters that make bad decisions, right? Like, I think that, that, for instance, the scene early on with Coretta James um, before she dies and when she has sex with Easy is so brilliant and so nuanced because, like, yes, she is cheating on her boyfriend and it, it sucks, right? But, like, also we understand why she's doing that so vividly and, and so cl- clearly right off the bat and, and sort of like it's so sympathetic why she's choosing to do these things. And it's sympathetic why easy is doing these things. And that is another sort of like perfect frame set up for the fact that Daphne is even sympathetic in this movie, even though she is arguably the sort of like the, um the focal point of all of the trouble that happens and she gets these people killed. Right. Is that there's this great sense. And even with mouse where it's like, Yes, Mouse is sort of a bad guy in the sense that he is literally a murderer, right? And like multiple serial murder, he's going to do it again. He uses violence. He is also categorically less a villain than a cop, right? Or than the mayor who uses his power to sleep with children, Uh, or even at, by the end of the movie, the guy who denies the humanity of the woman that he loves. Right. And it's like all of those things can be true. And I think it's really important that like via marginalization and via the fact that, uh, Mouse is a disempowered person. He is still like uh, fundamentally of the class that easy is and easy recognizes his humanity and sympathizes and empathizes with him, even though he does all of these terrible things. I think that the movie like shows that and that is correct and that is like a much more important and nuanced form of. Moralizing than something like a typical film noir where it's like, well, everybody gets dirty sometimes, right or like it it it's so much less literally black and white than than all of that, which I really appreciate
1: I, I want to get a little bit more out of mouse and then we can talk about the ending and who's a little freak in this movie, but um like I think Harry, you said it great when you said uh, that mouse is like participating in this system that uh like wherein dehumanizing is like the path to power right it is it is not just a display of machismo though it is that too it is like literally the way that he establishes sort of who he is and like his relationship to every like he makes his presence known by shooting people right um you i think using like maybe noir as a as a as a bedrock of this of this understanding of this trying to like of this thing i'm trying to say about easy is that like you can read that Easy's refusal to do that, refusal to dehumanize, to gain power, or to like get what he wants out of the world. He's just sort of like minded his business. When we pick up with him at the beginning of the movie, he is just trying to keep his job, just trying to pay his mortgage, etc. cetera. Um, that that is what keeps him there. It's what gets him in all that trouble, that he will not like uh, like leave people to die, that he will not, um, he would have rather that Mouse not shot Joppy, even though it would have meant big trouble for, uh, for, for easy and mouse. Right. Um, so then is the ending where we see him sort of at peace at ease in his community. Is that about him finding a place where he doesn't have to do that, where he doesn't have to subjugate others to get what he wants out of life. And like, does the movie lament that at all, or is it celebrating that there is a space for that?
2: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Right. And that's why I sort of said that. Um, I think that, it's it's almost too utopian right the ending or at least it could read that way but i think that and maybe this is overly generous because i like the movie so much but i i don't think that it's it's denying that that power structure still exists and will always still exist i think that it's just like showing that that by the the trials and tribulations that easy underwent um he he was able to retain his humanity essentially right and he was able to retain his self definition um, without playing into the um, definition that would be imposed on him by the the colonizer, by the, the powers that be, um, and that it's possible to do that, right? And it, it's possible to do that for others, right? I, like I think that there's a real communal sense there at the end where it's like, I can help give these people the status and the identity and the world that, that they don't need to participate in that system. We just have to like sort of do it together. So it's it's a, it's a nice call to arms. I think that's what his, when he's talking about friends and he says he forgets about Daphne and he, he forgets about all of those things. It, it was sort of like, I am here now. I understand the sort of the, uh the field in play as it, as it were, even if mm-hmm. that is a, uh, it's, it's a melancholic um, realization, right? Because it is fundamentally realizing that like, you are up against the enemy still and always.
1: Yeah. Uh Any thoughts about the ending, Aaron?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would agree. I think it is it is optimistic while I think still acknowledging. I think, you know, if any, if anything kind of represents that, you know, it, it does end on the, you know, kind of the image of, of Easy kind of walking down his street as, it, you know, the sun is setting. There's the sense of community, but I think, you know, right before that, there's the, the cops still driving around, right? Um, there is still that presence. Um, so it's, it is optimistic, but I think while kind of acknowledging uh, uh, that, that it all is not completely hopeful, maybe.
2: Yeah, well, and, and throughout the movie, we see people leaving, right? Sort of giving up on the experiment, uh, so to speak. Uh, one of his, uh, one of Easy's other neighbors leaves earlier on. And then at the end, of course, um, Daphne and her brother are gone when he goes back to visit them, right? It's like they, they found out that they will not have a place here. And that's sort of like one of the grand tragedies of this movie is that like Daphne was maybe under the impression, well, she was, right? She couldn't see. She thought she, she thought she was in love and she thought that the man who loved her really loved her. And that's why she did all of this because she actually believed that that man could love her and therefore that we had transcended the sort of old world hierarchical system that was. Yeah. And it turns out by the end of the movie that that is not true that that system remains and that fundamentally she cannot belong to it. And it's, it's yeah, it's great.
1: Well, that uh, I think we can call that our conversation again. uh, Cody, not here, so we don't need to, we won't uh, drain our Cody's notice tanks.
0: Missing Um, the the notice. It doesn't feel complete, does
1: it? Yeah. It really feels like somebody's carved a chunk out of my side. Like we're missing a huge part of an essential being here, but, uh I will say like there's one last thing that we do need to determine and maybe we like make an argument for it and then settle it with Cody later since he's not here and this is something that we'll be building toward the uh 2022 Golden Berries at the end of the year everybody um go back and listen please don't listen all the way through our 2021 it's uh, 3 hours 45 minutes of nonsense but uh this is the year of the little freak we have a couple of good contenders from the first few episodes of uh of 2022 but we haven't really sunk our teeth into is there a little freak in this movie and should they be in contention at the end of the year? So I would bring up that question. Now, who is, if any, the little freak in devil in a blue dress, Harry.
2: Um, I'm going to have to go on record as saying, I don't think so. I don't think that there is a little freak in this movie. I think that the closest I, we have two, uh, sort of slant candidates, right? Uh, the first is Mouse, and I would say that Mouse is just because of how fun his personality is. The fact that Don Cheadle is is absolutely ready to shoot a motherfucker like throughout this movie, uh, he takes really not just ready. ready. He
0: he he's not just ready. He shoots motherfuckers oh, in, oh, this yeah. film. No, in a right.
3: Yeah.
0: And you know what we were talking about the, the the satisfying and then unsatisfying nature of the boardwalk scene earlier. Don Cheadle shooting some motherfuckers uh, in that house at the end, very satisfying. Oh, yes, you yeah, love to see man. it, Yes,
2: and like again, it, it turns right because then you go outside and you find and out that the you man was shot to death. Good,
0: Good well. point, but until the sh- scene changes,
2: yes, oh, dude, when he yeah, shoots the guy in the head, it's like it is some real like man, pop out of your seat oh cheering my God. shit for and sure. This-
1: and when he just like stands over Albright as he's like choking and dying in front of the Mercury, it's a just shot, dude, yeah, With, uh, it's a great like shot. It just, just holds, it. Yeah. It, holds
2: it. it. It's like they knew that they had something. They were like, let's just fucking do oh it.
1: Oh my god, yeah. I thought we, I thought he was going to give him one last like pow, like make sure he's dead, but right. he just watches him. Just no, watches he just, him. He's gone, man. Zap his life so away. Good. Oh, it's so good.
2: Uh, like, why waste a bullet? Right? They're, they're expensive.
0: Oh
1: my god. Um,
2: I think that the other guy is is of course also the um the tree cutting man. I just think that this movie. To its great credit, gives those characters too much dignity and sympathy to be little freaks, really. I think that uh, a part and parcel of being a little freak is sort of like um, the Heinrich of it all, where it's like there's something sort of unexplainable about it where it's like how does a man like heinrich come to be right we're like we kind of see partially it's because of his mother and it's because but but at the end of the day it's like heinrich is is from from somewhere else right imagine imagine, that's a little
1: freak imagine being able to identify a particularly inscrutable character in a movie like possession (laughs) that is what it takes to be a little freak (laughs) i think uh heinrich definitely makes the grade uh aaron do you have any good counter arguments or other considerations to that or should we consider this a little freakless movie
0: I think this this film is uh uh maybe unfortunately devoid of little freaks. There there are no little freaks in this men. movie. There are, you know, there are there are little there are yeah, no no little freaks. None. Sorry. <laughs> look, love, look. Here's the thing. Like, like we didn't we didn't talk about like we talked about simpishness of some characters last year during the year of the simp, but we didn't do it film by film. I think. Look, we can't make any compromises when talking about. it. We can't go like, oh, maybe this character is a little freak. No, we a little freak is like pornography. You know it when you see it. There are little freaks and there are little and not the little freaks.
2: Exact same thing. Yes. Oh,
0: god. We don't. Nobody needs to fit into a little freak mold. They they fit. You know that hole it's is just something for you feel. Them.
1: Yes. Yes. All right. So, not a contender for Little Freak of the Year, but we have so many more episodes. What, fifty, fifty episodes left? Probably you at got least. Plenty of
0: time for freaks. Yeah.
1: We have plenty of time for freaks. That's Try Love, uh, the podcast where we make time for freaks. Make time for freaks in your life. This is Try Love. It's the literal roundtable podcast. Uh, this has been an episode about Devil in a Blue Dress 1995, played at the Trylon. You can also find it on streaming services. Uh, and you know, buy a ticket to the Trylon, even if you're not going to go to the theater. It's not that much, and they're always good movies. Um, have a great time. Wear your mask. Maybe don't go places in general. Uh, I'm trying to be the Cody of this podcast. This is really not working. This skin does not fit me very well. Uh, but in any case, uh, Find our podcast on Twitter at TryLovePodcast. Podcast. Find the Trilon at Trilon Cinema and at Trilon.org. You can find me, my name is Jason, at Nintendoofus. And if you, dear listener, are wondering how
2: you can make time for freaks in your life, rest assured you already have because you listen to this podcast. And you can keep listening if you want to keep listening to three freaks right here. I'm Harry Mack, and you can find me on Twitter at Chitake Harry.
0: I am not a freak. I don't know. I don't know who's categorizing me as such, but all my thoughts are clean. You know, all my actions are clean. I am a a, a clean, non-freak. But you can find me on... You can find a lot of evidence to the contrary of my statement on my Twitter, at rbplease, if you would like to follow me. Uh, Yeah, thanks. She
3: way across town. My baby, I don't want a soul around Now Monday morning early Someone banged up on my door I knew it wasn't my baby Cause she's never knocked before so I laid in bed and wondered who could the caller be. I thought it was the insurance man, cause oh, he's been heckling for me. Crazy about my west side, baby. She lives way across town. my baby I don't want a soul around
1: yeah sorry the uh mic button was a little bit sluggish there let me take my time stamp
0: Leave and you just kind of humming softly. I think. Uh, okay.